I never considered being a director, you know, because there's just not a lot of female directors. I always thought, okay, women produce or they write. I'd met my first female director and I said, how did you become a director? And she said, well, one day I just said, I'm a director. And I was like, what? <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. And she kind of gave me this idea of claiming this thing that I really wanted. Welcome to the Film Fatals podcast, a podcast featuring candid conversations with some of the world's premier feature film and television directors of all marginalized genders. Today's chat will be with Veronica McKenzie and Lisa Donato. Veronica is best known for telling the stories of underrepresented voices, including her most recent film, Nine Nights. Lisa is also dedicated to telling the stories of people and communities relegated to the margins, including her recent feature-length debut, Gossamer Folds. We hope you enjoy their conversation about how to break through societal boundaries through storytelling. Hi, Lisa. Nice to meet you. Hi, so nice to meet you as well. Where, you're in London right now? Yeah, it's just gone 5.30 p.m., okay. I should say. It's not a.m. <laughs> I am an early starter, but not that early. Yeah, no, I am. Yeah not an early starter at all but you're drinking coffee right now at 5 30 p.m <laughs> i am but it's, it's decaffeinated <laughs> i've just oh, moved okay. on to that decaffeinated coffee so i'm 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 gonna be all right um i had a look at your show reel it's fantastic i really like Thank the you. range of projects that you've that you've done. you've done you've done a load um so you know and a lot of it um just really interesting you know, the work around trans, like you said, marginalised communities um, and women. So what kind of, what got you into, like, what got you into filmmaking? Yeah, so uh, I've always, like, been writing screenplays and sketches since a really young age. I think I uh, bonded with my dad when I was a kid, like, watching reruns of SNL over and over and over again. And that was kind of our way of connection. And so... The process of of creativity and and writing uh, just always started with like this idea of connection, and I was just obsessed with it. You know, I was in talent shows and always writing and making my friends like casting them in things and making them like act out certain you know <laughs> silly stuff. But I I was never really given the language uh, to say that you know you could actually pursue a career in filmmaking and this is a viable you know path this passion of yours so I ended up you know going a very traditional route and studying marketing and advertising and then going into corporate America and 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 when I was in corporate America you know I had a great career I was always trying to turn every corporate meeting into like a documentary or like a music video and casting people. And I think, you know, a friend of mine finally just said, you need to be making films. <laughs> what are you doing in a corporate cube farm with terrible fluorescent lighting? It's, it's interesting because we have so many similarities. Um, just like listening to to speak about your childhood. Um, for me, it was watching... Um, comedy sketches on TV, and there was this very famous poet um, called Panis who used to write terrible poetry, but they used to rhyme, and they were quite funny. And then I used to start writing poetry and getting my sisters, I've got four sisters and one brother, and organising them into like little plays, you know, telling them to stand up straight, and this is your cue, and, <laughs> and all of that. Um, 
I, so I was always creative, but I didn't, again, like you, I didn't have any language. There was no, um, there was no even filmmakers around in my community when I grew up. I grew up in London in a, in a place called Tottenham. Um, and then I kind of thought maybe I'll get into fashion because that's my creative outlet. And I got into fashion and I spent a lot of time hanging around filmmakers and I had, you know, I didn't want anything to do with filmmaking because they were always complaining about not having any money or not having any equipment or getting up at 5am and it would just seem really, really hard. And I think um, it so just was- dawned on me like, yes, what am I doing? What, you know, life is short and I had, I had just turned 30 and I made the decision to just kind of quit cold turkey and and move to I was living in Denver at the time, Denver, Colorado. Um and I just moved to LA and started completely over and then just started, you know, <laughs> learning learning the hard way. It was like somebody threw a bucket of ice cold water into my face <laughs> when I first moved to Hollywood. And like you, I ended up going to LA with a friend of mine who wanted to kind of break into the industry and I just wanted to go for a holiday. And um, I met someone, I was talking to someone at a party and she was like, oh, you know, um, you're quite funny. I'm, I, I could sign you, do you know what I mean? You can do commercials and everything. And I was like, this is crazy. Don't just come to, you know, Los Angeles and get a, an agent. And I, I got completely freaked out and I, I came back to London. I was just so scared. Um, and then, you know, years passed and then long story short, I ended up doing a project which was more um, just interviewing people and that ended up being a short film and then that became more of a documentary. So I found myself in the film world from a really, honestly, when I say circuitous route, it's, it's like almost everything but. Um, and then now um, I, I, th- I do think of myself as a filmmaker. You know, I think ultimately I always wanted to be a filmmaker too because I didn't see myself, you know, represented on screen, especially as a, a queer woman um, back in the day. And so... Um, you know, and even non-binary, you know, I consider myself genderqueer as well. And so through my work, you know, this is also, this has all given me such an amazing platform of figuring out who I am and in my own identity. So I don't know about you, but you know, it took me a long time to think of myself as a filmmaker because I just didn't see, you know, anyone like me making work, you know, that's changed, you know, more recently um but do you do you feel like you're a filmmaker do you know what I mean are you kind of confident saying I'm a filmmaker and this is what I do I mean yes and no it's it's interesting because when I first started this journey I wasn't sure where I belong I I knew I wanted to be in the film and tv industry and what I was doing in my corporate environment was I was doing a lot of producing um, for like advertising stuff. So that was skills that kind of transferred over. And then when I got into the, when I got to LA, I never considered being a director, you know, because there's just not a lot of female directors. And so I never felt confident to say I'm a director. Um, I always thought, okay, women produce or they write, you know, cause that was just what I had saw. I saw so many people do. And the people I was meeting, all the people I was meeting, all the men were directors. And so I asked, 
I met my first female director and was actually, I was picking up freelance work at, at an advertising, advertising studio. And I said, how did you become a director? And she said, well, one day I just said, I'm a director. And I was like, what? <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. And, but it was so true. It was just so cool to like, kind of, she kind of gave me this idea of claiming this thing that I really wanted, but I was so scared to have. And to also, you know, where we live in a culture where that's just not a viable path. We don't see it a lot. Um, and I, I, I don't want to be disappointed you know, if I right. fail or can't get that. And so um, it's kind of my first female mentor that just said, you know, just, just there's so it's, there's so much freedom and just saying you're a director, or you're a filmmaker. And so it, it took a long time. One, because I didn't go to film school. So I feel like I am a fraud. You know, what, what did they teach in film school that I don't know? And so I don't know right. yes. about you. <laughs> did, did you go to film school? No, I actually did an MA in screenwriting. Um, and then spent a time, lot of time writing scripts. And so it's a weird one because I'd written a script that I'd written for my MA and then it was optioned. And then I went into development, hell, because <laughs> then nothing happened for a few years. And then the script just sat there in their office and nothing happened. And I think that's what, that was the last straw, you know, because I say to people, oh yeah, I've written this script. And they said, what's happening? And I've been like, nothing's happening. You know, I'm just waiting yeah. for them to do something. And then I met um, a producer in Spain, a few places, and she said, um, you know, what are you waiting for? Just go and do it. And I was like, I can't do it. I'm waiting for a director. She's like, no, just go and do it. You've written the story. You've, you know, you know the story inside and out. Um, you can see it, you know, I've described it. You know, you can you just, just go and do it. Go and learn, get some books. <laughs> so that's what the guys do. Do you know what I mean? They read up or they blag it. You know, and so that's how I kind of thought, okay, um, just literally to kind of get this out of my system, <laughs> you know, um, you know, my one good script at the time. I just thought, let me, let me have a go. Nobody's watching me. Nobody's waiting for me. Nobody's, you know, there was, right. you know, no expectations on me. Um, and I, I learned on the job. It, I feel like every single project that I've been on, you know, I, it feels like, I don't know what I'm doing, <laughs> you know, and then, I, and then you finally like kind of figure it out. You're driven by some, you know, reason of wanting to make it. And, and then, then you have to figure out the how during the process, you know, and, and I've learned that over and over again. It, it never stops surprising yeah. me. You know, I've made seven shorts and uh, two features. And so I'm constantly just learning and just being like, you know, deer in headlights sometimes. I think as a director, I think it took me about three days to kind of really understand the enormity of what I'd undertaken. Because <laughs> what have I done? Um, everyone looking to me um, and then people challenging you, you know, the, the usual. Did you enjoy it like your first time on set? You know, the first couple of days it was just me trying to work out you know how I should be and you know and then I enjoyed it once things fell into place um I enjoyed it because I to be honest nobody cared <laughs> about you know about it um you know I I cared about it um and I kind of drove it forward 
Uh, and then I enjoyed it towards the end. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah I'm really, uh, you know. I, I was this enjoy, a feature film it. that you're talking this about? This is a feature, yeah. Well, one feature I co-wrote um, that kind of uh, put me on the map. I co-wrote that with a really good friend of mine, Fazia Mirza. Um, and it was just a silly kind of fun rom-com, very queer <laughs> uh, story. And it ended up doing really well on the festival circuit, really right. low budget. You know, and, and I kind of, and from that, I was able to get representation and having representation really helped, you know, help my confidence and just kept me in the game yes. because as you know, it's very hard to sit around and wait for somebody to, you know, notice your work or get something made. And so that kind of helped, you know, keep me to, to want to keep making stuff and, and build my body of work yeah. and figure out you I think know, that's one of the what do I want to say what am I curious about things to kind of um, you know find not find but uncover so, or discover is what, what you know what are you passionate about and what subjects do you want to talk about it, a, and, it took me a while to mm -hmm. kind of figure out what I liked because there's so many things out there there's so many influences there's so many different types of films and you know, I, I, I mean, I don't know if that was the same for you or did you have a, a no, really not even close. And I still don't away. think I do, you know, I do know that throughout making all this stuff that I want it to be queer. <laughs> I want it to involve, uh, you know, as many women right. and non-binary people as possible. And I want it to do, I want it, it to have a music component to it. Um, so I know I'm kind of like, getting closer and closer to the heartbeat of the things that yeah, excite okay. me. I like a lot of French films. Um, so I'm always thinking in terms of like really long takes um, and really kind of get, trying to get a naturalistic, like a naturalistic, but kind of hyper-saturated in colour. So it's a weird kind of, I'm, I'm still trying to work out my, um, like I've only made two films and a couple of shorts that I've, produced so I'm still very early stages in terms of you know working out my tone and all of that but I know that I like really naturalistic and long takes mm -hmm. so who what are your kind what are your favorite films if you had to say what your favorite um, films were or yeah, it, well it's influences? funny because when I was thinking about my influences recently I was thinking god I have so many male influences too of directors and uh and so i have been doing this uh research project for myself which is just to to look at all the female directors throughout the last like 60 years um and and just study their work and just see from the beginning right. to like oh. now or like you know if, if they're from the past right. like their most recent work and just look at a body of work and that's been that's been really exciting um there's a director agnes varda okay yes yes yeah um but she, she started you know, some of the, the french neo-noir type stuff um but she was always like you know pushing boundaries and her work has been really fun to to look at and just study throughout the years um but but now i would say that i'm really obsessed with you know Chloe Zhao. I love what she's doing right now tonally. Um, and uh, I'm really excited 
about what Rada Blank is going to do next. She's the one that did the 40-year-old version. That was one of my favorite movies oh, in the gosh, last, like, that was amazing. Yes. five to ten years. Yeah. I just, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Do you ever get that feeling of, like, yeah. watching I an really independent film <laughs> and, like, there's this feeling yeah. of, of almost depression because yeah. it's, like, you, did, you didn't make that? <laughs> Do you ever have that feeling? No. <laughs> no, because no, most films are a bigger budget than mine. Most films are, you know, kind of more locations than mine. So kind of everything. <laughs> there is one film that I actually just think is mm-hmm. superb. And it's, I think it was an Egyptian mm. female director. And the film was called Divines. Um, and I saw that at a film festival. And I know she worked on it over a couple of years. They shot it over a couple of years. And it's just the most magical, beautiful film. Um, so when I watched that, I was just like... <laughs> And that was her debut feature. Was like, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you know what the All budget right. was? The bars on it? are really, really high. <laughs> I know it was pretty low budget. Um, yeah, pretty low. But it's just a beautiful um, coming of age story. You know, it's set in the outskirts of Paris where you have a lot of um, immigrant communities, um, very divorced from what's happening. It's a, it's a beautiful film. It's actually on Netflix at the moment. Um, and I remember seeing that about four years ago, and that just really stayed with me. Um, I don't know if you watched Master of None at all, that TV show. Okay, seen, yeah, so this last episodes. season, if you yeah, have a chance to watch the whole season, um, it, you know, it centers around Lena Waithe and her wife and their relationship of trying to get pregnant. And anyway, it just the way that yeah. they presented this media for this season is a complete departure of what of what we're doing you know of of what most filmmakers are doing they let so much breathe you're you're staring at the scene for so long and it's uncomfortable you know you're you feel yourself like shifting and I was like this is amazing this is this is like a such a departure from what we're seeing and told to do like we need a, a, a faster story we need a we need to get to like the juice as quick as possible, you know, otherwise we're going to lose people's interest. And I like that idea of, of, of yes. reversing that and just seeing how long yes. can we sit with a subject. Yeah. Yeah. And I think audiences appreciate that because I think audiences, I mean, it's just something about, especially given what we've been through this pandemic, um, I think a lot of people have done a lot of reflecting and spent time with themselves that, you know, maybe hadn't done that before. And we can, we can have a kind of meditative quality to our art. Do you know what I mean? And what we consume. Um, and just, it's a confidence thing as well, just knowing that your audience will stick with you. So, yes. What, yeah, what are so you working on at the moment? Though? I, are you working on anything uh, I, I was recently hired to um, write a screenplay based on a young adult novel. Um, so I just finished that and I'm going to be directing that feature next year. Uh, the novel is called Gracefully Grayson. Um, oh, but what I, what I'm, but my magic wand, and I really want to hear this oh, from wow. you too. Like, you know, you know, what is that magic wand place? where you want to be in the next three to five years, or if you have one story that you could tell, you know, what would it be? And 
mine is, uh, you know, I grew up in record stores. I always thought that that was going to be my end all be all as far as work goes. Um, I was going to own my own record store franchise or my own record store. I just loved music so much. It was just, I, I grew up in a really small town in Montana. So it was where the queer and cool people went. It was a safe place. Um, the only safe place, you know, really in, in a very conservative right. state. <laughs> so music stores were just such a incredible community. Um, so I'm trying to sell this TV show. It's a series that I've developed um, about, it's basically a time travel show that unearths all these like female and queer musicians that have been kind of left behind because of misogyny or you know all the all the stuff throughout time and it goes back to the 50s and it unearths like civil rights you yeah. know activists throughout that time too and it's it's just a fun adventure story um so yeah. that's like i've been oh, pitching that it. not i know it's funny because i like oh, I six it. months ago <laughs> i was like i wish i could just partner with like a historian yeah. on this and like <laughs> we should talk offline about it though yeah, I know. I was like, if I could find a queer historian <laughs> Hello. to help, to just like, you know. I'm... Yeah, <laughs> yes. I, I am a music buff. Yeah, I'm a music buff, seriously. I was I actually worked on a project, a Motown project. It didn't happen in the end, um, but it was um, talking to one of the famous, um, you know, um, Motown singers. Um, Me and too. Just, I just, I love it. I love it. I watch music documentaries all the time. Um, and I've just been there's something about music that just even if I don't like the music is about the process and the commitment and dedication mm -hmm. and the creating Ag something out of nothing you know yeah like we song, should we know, should I, I I'm a huge music definitely just lover I think you know music <laughs> yeah. is like I heard this somewhere I don't know if this is true maybe you can fact check me on this but it's like one of the only things if not the only thing that it's on this earth for like pure just for joy just for entertainment there's no you know I'm sure there there's a lot of like ceremonial uses of music and 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 stuff like that but it's literally this thing that like yeah. I don't know it's so pure and so joyful to me yeah, I mean, I would agree because there's there's something about, um, is it A sharp? There's something about music and emotions, you know, which is why it's so powerful. Like the A sharp will, will get you in a particular mood and then other mm -hmm. keys will get you in a, do you know what I mean? They're so linked, music and mood, how we receive those waves and our, you know, kind of like emotions. So, um, no, I agree with you. It's something that... Um, and it's all, and it's also an expression. It's like every culture, every, mm -hmm. you know, all over the world, they have an expression. And then I'm working on the historical project, which is for TV, um, and it's based on a book. Then um, it's the history of, you know, Nigeria and the UK and that entwined history, and looking at women um, from the 18th century up to present-day London, and the position of women in society. Where, they're in these societies that are kind of ruled by men and, you know, just uh, very codified and, you know, just examining how women manoeuvre in those spaces and how they mm -hmm. take power, get power, try and hang on to it, you know. So that's something that um, I'm trying to set up at the moment. There's yeah. been some interest in that. 
Um, so fingers crossed. Um, oh so it's just you know it's just well, it's you a know, journey it's like you wait of guesses and, wait and, and, and you wait and then you... constantly. <laughs> um, yeah. What, what do you? What are the differences? Yes. And you said that you lived in yeah. LA for a couple of yeah. years, and I'm not sure how ingrained you were in the film industry there. But what have you noticed? You know, the differences are as being like a London filmmaker versus like a US, you know, or California filmmaker. In. so it was a long time I mean it was I think I was there in 2008 I actually went to UCLA to do some courses um and and the thing is um the London scene or the UK scene is quite small um it's very um somewhat close to outsiders um you know it, it's not easy to break into so, and I know people say this about kind of Los Angeles and everything else, but I actually found when I got to Los Angeles that it was much more open. Um, it was much more looking at film as a business as well. So um, people more willing to have meetings, much more, you know, many more networking events, um, opportunities. There's a ton of opportunities in terms of fellowships and grants and schemes um, compared to the UK. Um, and then a lot of people who believe in following your dreams, like it's kind of ingrained in Los Angeles that people follow their dreams. You meet people of all different ages. I remember I met a woman who was in her 60s. That's so cool. I love that. Who just retired and has now become an actor, you know, and it was just perfectly wonderful. Yeah, that she's gone for it. Mm -hmm. Whereas in the UK, <laughs> slightly different reception it would have been, <laughs> maybe would have been. Yeah. You know, you're kidding yourself. You know, what do you think you're doing? You know, um, it's a different mindset. And I think that's a kind of big inducement to be working in Los Angeles mm -hmm. because you're surrounded by people who believe in their dreams and are right. going for their dreams. So you feel part of a community. Do, uh, do you need LA, representation like yeah. the same way in the UK that you do here? That's an interesting one because I have an agent um, for my writing, but not one for directing. So it's, um, you know, and I think I should really get into that, actually. <laughs> I should start looking into that. Um, I wouldn't say you... Mm -hmm. I think if you have representation, it opens doors, like anywhere. You've got representation. Um, but I don't know if you need representation as a filmmaker. You know, um, there's so many um, mm -hmm. kind of networking groups that you can just tap into if you want to make a film. Um, it, it, it can be fairly organic. Um, but I think maybe, like, in terms of stepping up, so if I wanted to do, like, another project, which was a bigger project, um, I'm, I probably would need representation as a director if we're talking, you know, a million, two million, you know, if we're going into bigger budget stuff. Um, I'm working on a, so I'm really into the idea of escape. <laughs> I'm sure most people are at the moment. Um, and my stepdad um, has dementia at the moment. So I've been spending time with him and just talking about his childhood and, you know, just when he came to London age 17 and all of that, are just so amazing. Imagine leaving your country and going to a whole new country at the age of 17 on your own. Um, 
So I have an idea where I have him mm. kind of retired and then having his, his last adventure, you know. Um, and so we follow him on his last adventure when he's trying to go back to his roots. Um, and it's just mm. looking at themes of home, you know, immigration, you know, what, what that means. Mm. You know, can you ever go back to somewhere that you left 40 years before? You know, and it, and it really is a meditative piece. Um, you know, it's got some comedic elements because obviously the family think he's a bit strange wanting to take on this adventure at the age of 66. Um, so it's got comedic elements to it, but it really is more of a meditative um, piece um, as we follow his journey. Um, so I've written the script for that um, and currently just trying to... I've got quite good feedback, actually. Um, so I'm just thinking about where we're going to Amazing. shoot that. And that sounds like such a good that. story. Who are you, how did you get your, your representation? Did they... Are they based I was, in... Yeah. You're based in... The, uh, you're I was kind of going Angeles, between um, Austin and L.A. for like four years. And then the pandemic happened and my wife and I just moved to Austin, Texas full time, right. you know, um, but it's, well, it's funny because we, we only came to Texas because right. her okay. dad actually got dementia um, and ended up, we ended up becoming his caretakers and he ended up passing oh, away wow. a couple of years ago, but we bought a house right. here and thank you. Yeah, it was, that's a whole nother conversation oh, so um, that I would love to. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I know when yeah. you were saying that. Um, Another thing we've but, got in common. But yeah, I, I yeah. <laughs> my friend yeah. Fazia that I wrote Signature Move, that first feature with, right after that, we developed a show, like a, just a funny yeah. comedy about uh, two women trying to get pregnant with one of their brothers as a sperm donor. And it was based on a short film that we made. So we yeah. ended up getting... Uh, well, we used her representation to go out and try yeah. to sell that show, which we actually sold the TV pitch to Warner Brothers, uh, which was super exciting. And yeah, and Lucky Chap helped develop with us, which oh, is um, owned by Margot, Margot yeah. Robbie. But then, you know, yeah, it was it was it was so awesome. It's one of my first experiences oh, really? of Hollywood. Okay. And and then it ended up getting dropped like. A few months later because it had new executive leadership came in and the person that loved it ended up going to another network and then it then it just dropped and it was like it was so devastating um but the thankfully the agent and the manager that worked with us on that show just stayed with me and has been helping develop my career and it's been and they're just like you can live in austin now you can kind of be wherever it's kind of cool to be in another city and not in la because you're you you're bringing in different yeah. experiences to the table, and it's actually serving you better. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, lovely Likewise. to meet you. Yeah, yeah. keep me posted and I just on love the work that you're feature doing as well. that you're making so, right now. Yeah, let's be in contact. Okay. All right. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to the Film Fatals podcast. Film Fatals is a nonprofit and talent discovery platform which supports a community of over a thousand feature filmmakers of all marginalized genders. We hope you enjoyed this in-depth look into Veronica McKenzie and Lisa Donato's filmmaking experiences. A huge thank you to our podcast team. This episode was recorded and edited by Flavia Casa. Until next time. <laughs>